Well, hello, CMYK community and beyond. If you're listening in with us for the first time, my name's Matt, and I'm so honored and excited to have you just listen in and be a part of this conversation. It's our hope, belief that this CMYK talk podcast would be something that would point you towards some really beautiful and important things in the way that you live your life, in the way that you interact with the divine and the people and stuff around you, because this matters. And so it's our hope that these thoughts would matter as well in the midst of how you're going about your life. I hope you're doing well. Uh, We are in the midst of this series of talks that we've been calling The Art of the Laments. And essentially, it's just understanding the brokenness and pain in and around us and working to kind of process it differently compared to maybe denying it or setting aside and saying, I'll deal with that later. But to understand that there is this invitation to actually go about brokenness, hurt, pain, anger, frustrations that we have in this world in a more healthy, beautiful way. It's called laments. And so we've been walking through this as a community And it's been this, I think, really powerful and important series of talks for us and conversations to figure out how we do this. And today we're in the fifth week of this series, which means uh, that we're tackling chapter five of this ancient text that we've kind of used as a framework for these conversations of the text of Lamentations in the Old Testament. And so we're walking through it. We're in chapter five this week, and that's the last chapter. But this isn't the last talk within the series, because we're going to extend this one week longer. Uh, (laughs) What we want to do is next week, November 19th, what we want to create is space to actually practice and have lament together as a community. And so uh, there's going to be a talk, but it's going to be a really short talk compared to what typically happens. And uh, so we're going to post that as a podcast. But what we want to invite you to do, if you've just kind of been a podcast listener for a while, which is fine, or this is your first time, which is great as well. If you're looking for a space to practice lament we would invite you to join us for one of our Sunday gatherings on this November 19th. It's the Sunday before Thanksgiving, and we're going to get a full band together and kind of have this loud, raucous noise and spend some time singing and processing some music together and creating space to do that, to be quiet together. We're going to spend some time uh, speaking some things together. Uh, And then obviously, as I mentioned, there's going to be a short talk in the midst of that as well. But basically, taking all of these last five weeks, what will be five weeks of talks and thoughts, and trying to create space to actually practice it together as a community. I think it's going to be good. I think it's going to be powerful. And man, leading into a week of Thanksgiving, I I think it's just going to be a really important and good work to process the reality of hurt, pain, and brokenness, and then move into the season of Thanksgiving and Christmas, which is hope and Advent for a lot of people. So Again, we would love to see you there. Sunday gatherings, we meet at Art House Cinema and Pub at 10.30 a.m. or 6 p.m., and you are welcome to attend either. We have kid care at the 10.30 a.m. gathering, just so you know. So we would love to see you there. All right, jumping into Chapter 5 of Lamentations. Remember, this book is a narration of hurt and pain and brokenness. These are voices that are bringing words and images to the pain that they're experiencing. And in Lamentation chapter 5, there's this incredibly, I think, important image that's created. This is what's said about the suffering one in Lamentations 5, starting verse 1. Remember, O Lord, what has befallen us. Look and see our disgrace. 
Our inheritance has been turned over to strangers, our homes to foreigners. We have become orphans, fatherless. Our mothers are like widows. We must pay for the water we drink. The wood we get must be bought. Our pursuers are at our necks. We are weary. We are given no rest. We have given the hand of Egypt and to Assyria to get enough bread. Our fathers sinned and are no more, and we bear their iniquities. Slaves rule over us. There is none to deliver us from their hand. We get our bread and the peril of our lives because of the sword in the wilderness. Our skin is as hot as an oven with the burning heat of famine. Now, here's what I find really interesting about this text. It's easy for us to just assume that the hurt and pain that's talked about in this text of Lamentations comes from a group of people, a community of people that have truly watched their world crumble to the ground. And they're trying to put the pieces back together and they're trying to figure out how do we even go about this much devastation. But what we can easily do is here in 2017, we can like look in on their devastation and see it as something that's distant and foreign from us, something that happened thousands of years ago, and we're not really there, and we're not really dealing with that kind of hurt and pain. And what Lamentations chapter 5 does is it paints a picture that is extreme, but it's an extremity that I think if we look at the text and we look at the picture that's being painted... This is something that we all deal with and we all recognize in our world on a regular basis. The narrator is inviting us, inviting the Lord to look and see disgrace. And the disgrace is this, that this is a person whose inheritance has been turned over. The thing that they were leaning on as their point of image and significance, their point of, I've got savings and I'm going to be okay in the future no matter what comes, is now gone. This is someone who has become an orphan and lost their family and no longer has a relational identity with a family or community in the world. They're all alone. This is a picture of someone who must pay for something that other people get for free. It says in verse 4 that we must pay for the water that we drink. There's this image that's being created of, culturally speaking, most people don't have to worry about this thing. But me, I wake up on a daily basis and I figure out, I try to figure out how am I going to get this thing called water. There's this picture of someone that is struggling to just put clothes on their back, struggling to just put food in their stomach, struggling to just pay for medical bills because what might seem easy and natural to some, this person is just incredibly down on. There's a picture of someone who has pursuers after them. There are debt collectors that won't let them go. They can't seem to get out of this mistake that they made years ago, and no matter what they do, it just won't get off their back. They, they spent some money, and they lost some money, and so now all of a sudden they're in the hole, but they cannot get out of the hole no matter what job they get, and no matter how hard they work, they're just stuck being pursued. On top of that, this is a picture that says slaves rule over us. This is a powerful image of someone that is truly at the bottom of the bottom. Where you think you've hit rock bottom, they're actually below rock bottom. And they use this statement and phrase that there is none to deliver us from their hand. In other words, there's no getting out of here. This is the life of someone who has lost the American dream because no matter what happens... 
matter what job they get, no matter where they move, no matter anything, (laughs) they are stuck on the bottom. And this idea of, well, just work hard and it all work out for you is absolutely ludicrous in the life of this person. This is someone who is weathered and torn, whose skin is dried out and burned from the sun. And you can tell they've lived life. You see, the picture that's being painted here is not someone that lived 2,000 years ago and it's just this crazy coincidence that we're never going to find again. This is a picture of real people that you and I are invited to see on a regular basis. The homeless, those that are struggling with addiction, those that are coming out of our correctional system, those that can't get ahead in life and then just have debt all over the place. These are real people. And this is who the narrator is speaking about and communicating a voice to. Why would this matter and be significant? As we wrap up this kind of series on Lamentations and look at this last chapter, I think there's something that we must see here and throughout the rest of the text. And first and foremost, it's simply this. With this kind of image and with this kind of picture, we must see that it's here that the voice of suffering has the mic. The voice of suffering has the mic. We live in a culture that consistently puts people in front of us, people to talk about their lives, people to talk about how to go about life and pursue beauty. And whether that's people that we watch online or people that we follow on social media feed or people that we see around uh, our lives throughout the week, the people that we are consistently interacting with and hearing the voice of in our culture is not the voice of the suffering. Traditionally, the people that we go after, the people that Jimmy Fallon has on for The Tonight Show, is not someone that's in a place of suffering, but it's actually the opposite. The people that we listen to and watch and hear the most are those that have kind of a pretty good life and have it all together, have some things figured out. And so they sit on the couch at Jimmy Fallon's show and they talk about the family vacation that they just got back from and they have these funny anecdotes that took place with their kids, whatever it is. And those are the people that we consistently hear from. The people that we consistently hear from are those in power, whether it's those in political power or cultural power, influencers. These are the ones that have the strongest and loudest voice within our world. It's the powerful. And Walter Brueggemann, this incredible scholar, he talks about this idea that's found within the Old Testament that we're invited to see a covenant relationship. And covenant relationship is that there is the powerful within culture and society, and that the powerful have a voice and can speak to the powerless. And so they can bring thoughts, advice, conversation, whatever it is, the powerful speaking to the powerless. Okay, But Walter Brueggemann talks about covenant relationship as something where there's this balance and the powerless have a voice as well. And those with nothing to their name can speak to those with everything. The powerless have a voice and have influence to the powerful. And there's something incredibly important that's happening here in the text of Lamentations, that the powerless, the suffering, the oppressed are the ones that have the mic. They're the ones sitting on the Jimmy Fallon couch and communicating about their life and how things are going on. And it's not about some funny vacation that they just took. It's about their real, honest hurt and pain that they are experiencing. 
See, lament is this tool, and lament is this work to understand in a culture that is always driven to give the powerful the seat and give them the mic, that they can share their story. We understand there is this covenant relationship that we must also hear the voice of the suffering. So give them the mic, give them the spotlight, give them the couch, because their voice matters and is significant as well. I love the way Sung Chan Ra puts it. He says, the power of the lament is that the oppressed are given the right to speak, and by speaking, offer the possibility of redressing justice. The lament, the lament form thus concerns, concerns a redistribution of power. You see, when we give the powerless the mic, they have an opportunity to speak about not just their hurt, pain, and suffering, but they get to speak about what justice is. They get to speak about what pain is and begin to redefine it for people. Because again, in a culture that's driven by the powerful always having the mic, what we find is they're the ones that get to define this is what is just, this is what injust is, injustice is. This is what is fine, and this is what is not okay. And when we actually learn to lament and give the mic and hear the voice of the oppressed, as Lamentations does, it's all voices of the oppressed. When we learn to hear and listen, we actually allow them to begin to define, oh, this is what injustice looks like. Oh, this is what hurt and pain looks like. Because I thought it looked like this, but now I'm actually experiencing it in reality. This is why lament matters. It gives the powerless, the oppressed, the suffering a voice and brings this idea of covenant relationship into our world now. But more than just the, the suffering, there's something that's really interesting that takes place throughout this text. As you may remember, Lamentations is made up of all these different narrators, these different voices that, again, they're bringing words and feelings to the hurt, pain, and suffering. And throughout history, one of the voices that we see pop up throughout the text is the voice of a female narrator. So you've got male narrators, and then you have this female narrator as well that has a good chunk of the text. Why would this matter? Well, this female narrator is communicating and saying things like Lamentations 1, where she says, For these things I weep, my eyes flow with tears, for a comforter is far from me, one to revive my spirit. My children are desolate, for the enemy has prevailed. Now, there's some significant things happening here, because this is a culture that does not give women the mic at all, ever. Women are property. And so here is this text that is saying, no, the female voice, the feminine voice, it matters and is significant. It has to be a part of communicating this. But even more than that, there's this interesting thing happening that what the female voice communicates out of and the heart that's spoken, it's as if only the feminine voice can communicate out of this. Only the feminine voice can truly speak to what's happening here. You see, we live in a culture that's called the information age, where anything that we want to know about, we can go look it up and feel like we know about it within a 30-second Google search. 
We live in connected culture, that we can find out what's happening on the other side of the world or feel like we know what's happening all around our city at any moment of any day. And we live in a social media structure that allows us to post, share, and read the things that continually influence and just solidify our already established world views. This is the world we live in, an information age, connected culture, and social media. And it's in this kind of world that we find it's very, very easy to read, to be connected to, and to have this view affirmed in such a way that we feel like we're an expert on something. So when it comes to this topic, whether it's politically or religiously, whether it's something relationally within the family or something happening within our cities, there's this part of us that feels like, man, I I know what's going on. Why? Because I've read the article. I saw the thing. I watched the documentary. And we can speak as one that's actually in the know. And we may know something, but there's something important happening here in Lamentations that's saying, okay, the male narrator, he needs to sit down and he needs to shut up for a little bit because he cannot bring voice to this. This feminine voice, this feminine narrator has to rise and has to speak because only she can speak to true, authentic hurt and pain in this realm because she is the one that has truly experienced it. And in a text that is very much driven by a bunch of male voices, here is Lamentation saying a lament actually must come from those who are truly experiencing it themselves. Not just, I read this article, I saw this thing online, I watched this video, but we must give the mic to those. We must hear from those that have truly walked through it. It'd be similar to me trying to set up a class on this is what childbirth is like. And everybody in the class knows, okay, you can read whatever you want to read, bro, but this is not this is not firsthand knowledge on any level. And you should not listen to me on any level, especially if there's someone in the room that has actually walked through it. Give them the mic. This is what lament does. These people have walked through it. Their voice matters, and it's powerful and significant to hear what they have to say. You see, something happens when we don't live within this covenant relationship and give the mic to the powerless, and we just always hear from the powerful. And it's things like this. questions coming out of that. One might be, who was that? Well, that was Kendrick Lamar. Two might be, why did it keep dropping out? And then the music would go away. Well, this is a kid-friendly show, so that's why. Uh, Because there was some choice language that was used. And three, for many people, the question is, if you haven't heard that song, you don't know much what's going on there, why is he so angry? (laughs) Why is that song so intense? Calm down, buddy. Because there's a message there that's being communicated, and there's this part of us like, I want to hear your message, but you just need to tame it down. Like, can you write a song a little more like John Mayer, Kendrick? That might be helpful. This is our response sometimes to things like this. And what's happening here within his music and within a lot of hip-hop and rap is there is 
a voice of the powerless that is working extra hard to be heard. See, this is where rap and hip-hop comes from. People that were oppressed and under the thumb of society and culture and felt like, no matter what I do and no matter what I say, I'm not heard. And so it's in that that we see, well, let's put some aggression and some frustration. Let's bring some art to it and do this in such a way that maybe, just maybe, then we will be heard. And so from the very beginning of rap and hip-hop, there's been this similar question. Why are they so angry? Why can't they just calm it down? Why can't they just tone it down? And the truth is, well, because they're working hard to bring back this covenant relationship. And so we have things within our culture like rap and hip-hop. We have things like art that may be a little aggressive, may have a little bit of an edge to it at times. And there's a reason for that because it seems like art, music, And these kinds of spaces are ways for those without a voice to actually work to be heard. This is where the work and the role of a protest comes to the forefront. Those that have tried to speak, tried to lament, and feel as if their voices are not being heard And so they feel like they must rise up and protest. They must rise up and march. And we live in a culture right now, the United States of America, where this is, there's protests seemingly all the time. And what I find so fascinating and really disheartening about protests currently in our culture is these are people that are trying to rise up and bring this covenant relationship, have their voice heard again on something. But more and more what we're seeing as a response from those in power is one of saying, I get to define where you speak, when you speak, and how you speak. And so in that, they're breaking this covenant relationship. They're saying, your voice doesn't matter unless I choose to give it some kind of value. These are people. You look at this idea of the anthem protest, and I know that this is a hot-button topic, and I know that there's so many different approaches to this, and people that are frustrated and angry and supportive, whatever you are on this, I think that we can understand. They have a very clear, this is what this protest is about. This is what I'm trying to have my voice heard on. And I think we can all see that there are those that do not want to hear that message and simply want to communicate the powerful, are communicating back to the powerless and saying, no, you cannot speak and say that. You can't do that and go there. Maybe do it somewhere else, but you can't do it here. And it's in that very act that the powerful are not giving the mic and giving voice to those that are suffering those that are trying to raise their hands about oppression and things happening in our world and culture. Art, hip-hop, protest is a work to bring back this covenant relationship. And again, I, I know for some of you, I'm, I'm you know, skating on some thin ice. But I would challenge you to think about this. For many listening to this podcast, the text of Lamentations is a sacred text. It's a divinely inspired text. And so in that, this text of Lamentations in the Old Testament is made up of voices of the oppressed, of the lamenter. That's what Lamentations is, the voice of the lamenter. 
And in that, if Lamentations is sacred and divine, that means that the voice of the lamenter is sacred and divine, and that means that people that are oppressed and suffering, their voice is sacred and divine as well. And to belittle the voice, to never give the mic to the oppressed, is to throw out this text of Lamentations and say, nope, not sacred, nope, not important, not significant. And you can do that, but you can't call this text sacred and inspired and divine or whatever language you would bring to it and not see the sacredness of the voice of the suffering. Lamentations is handing the mic to those in pain and inviting us to actually hear. It's inviting this redistribution of covenant relationship. The second thing that I see within this text as we wrap up this talk is that the hearing of a lament is never done. So it's a handing of the mic to those that are suffering, yes, but the role of hearing the suffering, of hearing the one with the mic, it's never done. You see, Lamentations is actually this open-ended book. It doesn't have a nice, neat little bow at the end. It doesn't end with this beautiful text. I love the way it is. In fact, fact, this is Lamentations chapter 5. Here are the last two verses of this text. All this hurt and pain and brokenness, and this is how they choose to land the plane. Verse 21, restore us to yourself, O Lord, that we may be restored. Renew our days as of old, unless you have utterly rejected us and you remain exceedingly angry with us. The end. I know it's not funny, but there's something comical to, the, to, to me about this, that all of this hurt and pain and struggle, all, I mean, some of the most intense language that is written down when it comes to suffering is found here, and then it ends with, okay, God, do something, and then fade to black. So did God do something? Did something happen? Are they still in pain? Is it still bad? Is it still awful? Did it get better? And there's this part of us that doesn't know what to do with that. But I think there's something really important that's happening here in the text that is inviting us to see a lament. And actually, the art of the lament is not something that you just do and you put a bow on and you say, I'm done with that now, I can move on. But it's something that we are continually invited to process and be a part of. We live in a world that has stories where the good guy wins, where justice is served, where humility is rewarded. We live in a world of story after story after story where the hero saves the day, where they end up together and it all works out in the end. We love stories where they live happily ever after. And there's something that we must recognize that all of us lean towards stories like that. And so when it comes to someone in hurt, pain, a mess is going on, there's rubble in their life, there's this part of us that wants to figure out and step in, okay, how do I tell that kind of story here? How do I wrap it all up so the good guy wins, so justice is served, so everybody's happy and they live happily ever after? And that's the work that I want to do. That's a good kind of work, yes. But there's a reality to our world and there's a reality to life that is found and echoed in these final verses of Lamentations chapter 5. There are many moments and many stories where you're working hard towards something. You're asking questions. God, are you going to come through? Stuff like that. And then you just don't know. 
because it doesn't get all wrapped up and Harry Potter doesn't win in the end and we don't know what to do with that sometimes. And it's out of this desire to try and just fix things rather than truly lament and process through things that we have, we've heard this question asked when it comes to the voice of the suffering and the oppressed in our culture. When that, someone is handed the mic, let's say on racism, and someone's trying to speak about this idea of racism. How many of us have heard this statement and phrase in response to that of, can't we just get over this already? Can't we be done? How long ago did this take place? When we look at Native Americans and the genocide that took place and just the horrific things and culture that we've created around this entire group of people, there's this part of us that wants to say, man, just, just be done with it. And what are we echoing there? We're echoing this desire for us to wrap it all up, put a nice bow on it. We know that the good guy wins and we can be done with it and move on just like we move on to the next episode of the show that we love. But lament, true lament, is not an invitation to put a bow on it, be done with it, and set it aside. True lament is a continual invitation into this covenant relationship where we're hearing the voice of the oppressed, and that work is never done because there is always oppression and hurt and pain in the world around us. You see, all we're doing when we ask this question of can we just get over it already, is first we're just belittling the story of the oppressed. We're just belittling their ability to speak to what's going on. Because it's in that statement that we think, this is a small issue, or this is a done issue. Why do we have to keep talking about this? When the reality is the person that is oppressed, the person that is suffering, is always carrying years of pain and suffering and struggle. Something that cannot be wrapped up in a five-minute conversation. Something that cannot be summed up in just a few hours of meeting together. This is something that carries roots, whether it's racism, whether it's class struggle, whether it's privilege. These are things that carry so much depth and history to them that we must work to hear and understand that depth in history, and even in that go, and I haven't even lived it, so I don't even know. And to say this statement of, can we just get over it already, is to belittle that and say, this is like a five-minute conversation. We should be done with this already. When no, we can't be done with it because it's, it goes so much deeper than just that one moment, just that one act. The other thing that I think that statement does is it just shows your cards. It shows your cards as someone that's just concerned about yourself, and you have this viewpoint of the world, and it's someone else's problem if they don't have the same viewpoint. You have this experience in the world, and it's someone else's problem if they don't have the same experience. I'm happy. I'm content. I don't experience racism. It's your problem if you're experiencing racism. It's you just showing your cards about your egotistical, (laughs) centric view of yourself within the world and that everything should revolve around you and your viewpoint and your thoughts and beliefs. It's statements like, well, I love America. Why don't you love America? What's your problem? Well, maybe there's a different America that they've experienced and there's some deep things that have happened. Lament is this open-ended, continual work of hearing the voice of those in pain. We don't just get to close the book and say we're done and move on and we fixed it and check that box, but we're invited to always be in a position and a place to hear. I'm someone that um, 
just in my own experience and those around me have kind of walked through life and in these last few years in particular have worked hard to hear the voice of the LGBT community and the way that they've experienced oppression and kind of struggled with their own identity and finding embrace for who they are. And I'm someone, again, that spent a lot of time and energy on it because I believe in this work of lament and so have spent, you know, conversation after conversation and read what I could read. And I felt like I kind of had a handle on it and felt like, okay, yeah, um, man, I feel that's just awful and bad and horrible. And then a couple weeks ago, um, I watched a movie that's currently uh, in theatrical distribution. It's this small indie film called Beach Rats. It's a story of a young man who's struggling with his sexual identity and just dealing with it in such a way that he can't be honest. And it's actually hurting himself and the people around him. And I, I watched this film and um, it wrecked me. It wrecked me because I was invited to hear and watch a story um, that I thought I knew. And even myself, who is sitting here trying to have a conversation with you about how important it is to always be open to hear lament, I found myself reacting in such a way that I had potentially closed the book on this in my life and felt like I got it down. And I'm watching this story and I'm realizing I don't even, I haven't even touched the iceberg of what uh, people that I love and care for, what they have walked through in their own oppression of their sexuality and trying to be honest about that and find a beautiful approach and work in this. And I left the theater and I didn't, I mean, it wrecked me. I didn't know what to do with myself. I wanted to simultaneously call everybody and call nobody. I, I, I needed to go be by myself. I just wept in my car for a while. It, it was this reckoning that I had with myself that I had done this thing of closing the book in my heart and mind that I got it. I know what the LGBT community has gone through, and we can just move on from that, Matt, but I needed to realize I don't, and I must continually put myself in places to hear stories and see people, because this is the good work of lament, and I would say this is the good work of a follower of Christ and the church, to be a space where we introduce, reintroduce this covenant relationship in our culture, that here is a community where you can gather, and the voice of the suffering have significance and the voice of those that life is going pretty great for, they have significance as well. And so we come to this table together to hear one another, to see one another, to embrace one another. This is the work, and we're never done in it. And some might say, well, Matt, that just means that the rest of my life is just spent in the doldrums of, oh, I got to hear another guy that's suffering. Well, the reality is, is we get to hear the voice of those that life is going great for. And where there's joy and beauty and excitement and energy, we bring life and light and the microphone is, goes there a lot. And we will continue to do that. But we also work to bring the microphone and the spotlight to those where life is not going as well for, because their voice matters here as well. And that work is never done. And if we're truly interested in bringing healing the first step towards healing is always working to hear. Always. If we want to heal, we've got to hear. That is kitschy, that's as kitschy as I get on a statement, but <laughs> that's, there's just no other way to put it. When it comes to the division within our culture and the world around us, we've got to start by truly listening and hearing one another, not just speaking at 
one another, working to feel and sense, okay, this is what they're going through. This is what they've gone through. There's deep roots and history here. So let's listen to one another. It's in that work. And this is, for me, why church and faith community continues to be one of the most profound and important works in our lives, that you find a space and a community to hear one another, that you're not just found isolated within your own silo and within your own world, but you're found within a space where you can hear and be a part of this covenant relationship. Lament matters. And so it's in that that we wrap up and we simply ask this question of, are you giving a voice to the homeless around you, those on the streets? Are you working to listen to those with debt that they can't just, they just can't get out of? Are you actually hearing those who can't get ahead on paying their bills, those that don't have health insurance or any fallback, those who've lost the idea of the American dream, the oppressed? in our culture. The ones who feel like they can't be honest with what's going on because the minute they're honest is the minute they're cast out. Are we hearing them? Have you positioned your heart, mind, and life to continually listen and truly hear? Or are you just working to move on, move on, move on, and be done? This work matters. Lamentations is this sacred text because the voice of the lamenter is a sacred voice. I love you. And if there's anything going on or anything that we can do to hear or to be a part, uh, please reach out to us. Let us know. We're here for you. And again, we'd love to see you next Sunday at our Sunday gathering as we practice some of these things together. Other than that, I, hope you, I really hope you have a great week. We'll talk to you very soon.